Hey out there, you hopheads and you malt brains. You're listening to Drinking Socially, Untapped's official podcast and your inside look at what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. Now this episode, pretty special, it's brought to you by Firestone Walker, born in a humble shed on the back 40 of the family vineyard. Firestone Walker is a California beer company like no other, founded by two brothers-in-law who simply wanted to make the perfect beer. And they've been doing that, just that, actually more than that, for 25 years. So remember, like, subscribe, follow us. Uh, make sure you don't miss out on all the exciting interviews you have coming up, a bunch of exclusive badges, all these cool things happening, well, some of them today. So let's talk about that. So I think it's pretty safe to say we have all been under the spell of the IPA for a while now. Uh, for me, it was first like English style IPAs, then it was West Coast, and then it was session IPAs, and then IPLs for a little bit, and then brute IPAs for an even shorter period of time. A bunch of others, I'm sure I'm forgetting, the Black IPA, oh, Wookie Jack, maybe I'll ask Matt about Wookie Jack today, uh, we'll see. But um, And of course, the haze craze that is New England style IPA that we're kind of living in the middle of right now. And every time I feel my taste buds screaming for a break from hop burnout, Another kind of IPA pops up and I, I just need to try it. I really can't escape them, but almost, I feel like I don't really want to. I have to admit though, sometimes I just find myself standing in front of the IPA cooler at my local bottle shop with no memory of how I got there. Almost like I was drawn there by, by something. Like I was hypnotized to find the closest IPA near me anytime someone said the word beer. I guess I'm not alone. So Flyers and Walker must have picked up on this connection craft beer fans have to IPAs as well as, you know, created the perfect name for the phenomenon, hopnosis. And it's not only a new word, it's much more importantly, a new IPA. So hopnosis is out now. We're going to drink it tonight and it gets better still. You're not just going to have to listen to me like guess about what is in this beer and, and why it's awesome. We actually have Merlin with us tonight. Who knew a thing or two about hypnotizing? But if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Brewmaster Extraordinaire, Matt Brindelson. That's right. The six-time winner of Brewery, uh, Brewer of the Year at the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, he's a wizard. He's the, the magic behind Flyers and Walker's amazing beers. And he is going to blow our minds tonight. Super excited. And, and to even add to the excitement as if I could, I want you to do your drum rolls at home. Because tonight's co-host is none other than the executive vice president of product at Untapped and the original, one of the original Dream Socially co-host, Kyle Roderick. He's back, everybody. Kyle! Hey, Harrison. Oh, my God. I can take a breath. I know. Welcome back. I want to give you a little bit of a break after after all that. <laughs> uh, super, very excited to be here. Uh, excited to be drinking beers with you. It's been a little while. I know. It's been too long. Um, but we don't have to wait much longer. So I teased this a minute ago, and we're going to bring Matt on in, in just a moment. Before we do, though, let's talk about this badge. So obviously, mm -hmm. it was amazing beer. We're going to talk a ton about that. Everyone sitting at home holding it in their hand. There's a badge tied to this beer. So let's tell the people a little bit about it and how they can get it and all that cool stuff. Sure, yeah. So what you'll want to do is go grab yourself a 19-ounce can, a 12-ounce mm -hmm. can, a six-pack of Hopnosis from Firestone Walker. <laughs> And check in at least one of these beers. You're going to check in probably more than that over the course of the year. But check in at least one. And then you are going to earn 
the Hopnosis badge. This is between March 1st and 31st. So if you're listening to this uh, the day it comes out, you only got like 15 days. So go get one. Go check it in. That's right. It's good. Put this on in your car and drive and get some. Find it on Untapped. Go get it. All right, sweet. So I'm pumped to bring on this next person. I already teased him a little bit. His nickname is Merlin. I wasn't making that up, and for good reason. I'm going to bring Matt Brunson onto the show right now. Matt, welcome to Drinking Socially, man. Happy to have you here. Woo! Good to be here. (laughs) Drinking my untapped cherry. This is awesome. Wow, look at that. That's right. And finally, I can take a drink of this beer, man. I know, you've been a long intro. As we all have. So let's do that. Let's do what everyone at home has been waiting for. Crack open this beer. I have been staring at this six-pack patiently for like a week, waiting for this moment as the mm-hmm. stovepipe shows up with its all-knowing eye just staring down at us. <laughs> There's so much about this beer I want to unpack, but I got to drink it first. And let's just, let's start there. Oh, man. It is looking beautiful. Kyle has his rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Matt has many and probably like just thousands more in rooms not too far away from you. This but, this can came uh, fresh off the line minutes ago. Mm. We're running it right now. Oh, oh are wow. you? Okay, cool. Doing this, the can and the stovepipes, man. But all right, so let's dive in. I'm going to take my first sip of this thing. And then really, as we're drinking this, man, I'd love for you to kind of like, you know, if someone's grabbing this beer for the first time, kind of talk us through what we're smelling, what we should be tasting, seeing, like all that stuff. Yeah, so um, just, I guess, some of the basic background. Um, Hopnosis is our latest addition to our kind of West Coast lineup. Yes. And if you're familiar with Firestone, um, you probably know Union Jack. Union Jack came out yeah. many, many moons ago. Uh, <laughs> 2006 to be exact and uh in fact that was um a bright west coast beer inspired by many of my idols like vinnie's pliny sure um you know the beers of west coast here in nevada um you know even uh a few midwest players you know i come i hail out of the midwest and brewed for Goose Island, and I'm a huge fan of a bunch of the great IPA brewers of the Midwest as well. But, um, you know, and you roll the clocks forward, just talking about our West Coast IPA portfolio, after Union Jack, which is still in the portfolio, we came out with Luponic Distortion. Yes. Which was in many ways our vehicle for exploring new hop cultivars that didn't fit into our existing portfolio. Right. And uh, we were changing the hops up on that at first quarterly and then maybe right. three times a year. Um, and we blew through a ton of amazing hops. Uh, we blew through hops from the Southern Hemisphere, um, South Africa included, a lot of German flavor hops, everything out of the Pacific Northwest that we could get our hands on, including a lot of uh, experimental varieties. It really, in many ways, it was our way of experimenting with hops and going live. And we went 19 revolutions or 19 different hop blends um, before the end of 2021. And we pulled it out of the lineup to make room uh, for this beer. I actually like drinking out of this Nonic man-sized glass here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so, 
you know, and, and not to get too geeky, but you notice right away when it pours, it is ever so veiled. It's not as crystal bright as Union Jack or Luponic right. um, because we finally chose to kind of man up and not run this thing through the, the, the polish filter. So this is a centrifuge only beer. Okay. So it's actually getting the same treatment as Mind Haze, um, Double Mind Haze, and our hazy family of beers. Um, but as you can see, because we're using um, the, we're not using the juice. We're not using A38, the kind of very popular hazy IPA yeast. Right. There's not a ton of wheat in this beer. There's not a lot of oats. There's no oats in this beer. Okay. Um, it naturally somewhat drops bright. And I, I'm okay with that. I mean, this beer yeah. will probably show more haze as it ages. It's almost like the indicator. Um, mm. You know, if, if this beer pours turbid, you probably got an oxidized or warm stored beer. So it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, the closest thing I can put in there is like this this beer will self-destruct if, if treated poorly. <laughs> beer goes hazy. Yep. That's right. That's yeah. amazing. And it, it, it goes hazier the more hops you put into it as well. So, sorry, I don't even remember what the original question was. You wanted more information on hopnosis. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's how these combos go. We just find yeah. a rabbit hole. We fall all the way to the bottom and then drink another beer. So, oh, so, so I, he, that's a I, I pulled right a there? yeah, I pulled a clipboard of the brew sheet so I can get as geeky uh, as you want me to. But you know, the malt bill is in many ways inspired by what we were doing during the Laponic distortion um, years, and that beer was five point nine percent alcohol. This beer has more malt in it. It is six, right, six point seven. Really yeah. sweet for hoppy beers. Um, you know, it, I, I feel like, you know, Union Jack started out closer to 7.5 and we started backing it down closer to seven just because of the drinkability and the way the hops right. played off of that ABV. Um, and this is a relatively well attenuated beer. So, you know, purposely we don't want a lot of malt sweetness, but the malt bill includes, um, our base pale malt, um, domestically produced. It has a little bit of white wheat that creates this really nice foam. You can see all the lace in the glass and yeah. um, that's really awesome. Um, a little bit of Carapils in Munich, which is a little bit old school. And I get some yeah. shit from, um, you know, other new school brewers who are trying to leave those grains out. But in my mind, it, it, it helps back up what is pretty plain domestically produced pale malt it just adds a little touch of right. biscuit a little touch yeah. of sweetness to make it complex and interesting but really the base of this beer should really be all about just being a canvas for splashing hops onto and that's probably what people are more interested about when we talk about you know what's going on here and uh I'm just Fravin down at Green Cheek. I spent a lot of time talking to other IPA brewers like Vinny at Russian River. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's one common thread, at least amongst a few of my friends, that Simcoe still belongs as a backbone hop in West Coast IPA. Nice. Um, and so this beer has a lot of Simcoe on the hot side. In fact, we bitter with Simcoe. Our middle edition is Simcoe. And we even add some Simcoe in the Whirlpool on this beer. So you know, in terms of like the foundational hopping piece, Simcoe is really what it's it's all about. But we couldn't help but splash a few new school hops in there. There's some Talus, um, mm -hmm. and there is some, which is a, a new name for an experimental hop that we've been playing with for a long time. In fact, Firestone sponsored some of the first fields of Talus that were, were grown. Oh, wow. Um, and then I just can't help myself, and, and some of this is just my – uh, love for and absolute, I'm just, 
I'm just fascinated by all things German brewing and German raw materials. And I've gotten really into some of the new cultivars coming out of Germany. Mm. And Kalista is a hop that we use in Mind Haze. And we decided that could be a great addition to this beer. It's actually quite low in alpha acid, high in hop oil, works great late in beers where you want to pack in a lot of hops, but you don't want a lot of bitterness. And it has its own kind of soft fruit and almost tropical like characteristic, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun hop to play with. I don't think there's a lot of brewers deploying Kalista and West coast IPA. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the little secret, and we don't really make a big deal out of this, but I think it's cool is that we don't use our house ale yeast for this beer. Like we do on all our other West coast beers. Um, we deployed the lager yeast in it, but Whoa. we are not following what you, what I would call cold IPA protocol. Okay. Um, all to, you know, Kevin Davey is making some great beers and I love that whole notion. And the reason why we don't call it cold IPA and we still stick to the West Coast notion is we're really trying to get as close to that classic West Coast, you know, Chico or American ale yeast character without using it, you know, and, and we right. love our lager strain. Um, it's what we produce Pivo and Cerveza and some of our other lager beers. And when we warm ferment it, we get a characteristic very much like American ale yeast. And, you know, after I've been at Firestone for 20 years, I've made so many beers with our house ale yeast. I decided I just wanted to make an IPA with a different house character and deploying the, the lager yeast in it really, really, brought it all together for me um yes. and uh so that's a little twist that we don't talk about as much but amazing and did that was that just you kind of shot in the dark or with a couple smaller pilot batches like what tell me about the process of going yep lager this goes yeast. this actually goes way back to some late night um too many beer evenings with <laughs> Vinny at russian river where we kept talking about the fact that our lager beers always had better shelf stability and our pilsners that also are highly hopped and dry hopped always last longer. They always have a better shelf stability than our ales. And it's largely not again, to get too scientific or beer geeky, geeky on you. Um, ale yeast does not produce any SO2. There's no metabisulfite or I'm sorry, SO2 is um, sulfur dioxide produced by ale strains. It's one of the differentiators, whereas lager yeast, especially 3470, that's kind of the classic Pilsner and German yes. lager yeast for Hellas, produces enough SO2 that it acts as an anti antioxidant. And so a dream of ours was always to somehow figure out how to deploy these yeasts such that it would make hoppy beer last longer. And so we've actually experimenting with that for many years now and making a lot of great beers and just not telling anybody just right. like, yep, that's another IPA. And wow. can you tell a difference? And uh, so after a few years of trial and error, um, yeah, it's, it's, we decided to go, uh, go live, so to speak, or do a production brew in that way. We've done IPLs and stuff like that in the past, right. but those are cold fermented and definitely right. have a lager characteristic. Sure. Um, yeah. So this, so this one's, what are you fermenting this at about? We're going to go a little geeky. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you exactly. We um, we cool in relatively low for an ale, closer to to uh, say twelve or thirteen degrees Celsius would be warm for a lager, but cold for an ale. But we then free rise up to a temperature that's closer to ale temperatures, and um, you know something closer to eighteen or nineteen degrees Celsius. Wow, wow. Do you well, think that working. you'll yeah. start <laughs> taking sort of what you're learning 
here from from this beer and sort of the the success that that's seeing into other beers in the future sort of like laying the foundation for yeah. brothers <laughs> well so um i don't know if you guys have met or heard about uh sam tierney who has been a firestone brewer for over 10 years and now is at the helm of our propagator brewery in oh, nice. uh, venice beach so he, mm-hmm. he gets to run the casper schultz like porsche down there on a weekly basis, <laughs> brewing up whatever he wants and just trying to, you know, blow minds and come up with innovative beers. Right. He's been on a tear with making all sorts of double IPAs. He did his triple IPA for the Bistro um, event recently, uh, all with lager yeast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not necessarily talking about it, just trying to get people's reactions and see mm-hmm. if we can't perfect um all of that. And in, and in fact, we even, you know, and, and I'm not the first to do this. Um, you know, Bob at Highland Park's been brewing all of his IPAs with loggers a lot longer than we have uh, and doing so like winning awards and just killing it. Um, and he even does Imperial Stouts. We did a collaboration with Highland Park recently and we rebrewed it here in Paso for a release later this year where we did a, an insane like 35 Play-Doh Imperial Stout fermented with ale yeast or uh, lager yeast, excuse me, lager yeast. And uh, so it, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That, that sounds amazing. Uh, first of all, but I, I also remember propagator uh, you all had a, um, an event that you ran that was like a logger day, like festival out in the parking lot. And yeah. Pills and love. So that's right. Pills yeah. and, love. and, and not to get off the track of this IPA that we're drinking, but um Ago at Birificio Italiano, one of my favorite breweries in Italy, started a, an event called Pills Pride um, in Italy, a very small festival held every year at his brewery. Um, and after going to it and after Tim from Oxbow going, mm-hmm. he asked, I think Tim was the first one to ask, to be honest, if he could bring the event to the United States. Nice. So it was first held and called Pills and Love in Portland, Maine, with Oxbow as the host. Mm-hmm. And then I asked if Firestone could host a West Coast version. Got it. And then COVID got in the way of like, you know, we got to get that going again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, no, then, I... and, then, and then to further digress, uh, just today, I, I am proud to announce that Pivo was packaged in cans again here in Paso Robles for the first time in maybe what, uh, definitely a year and probably two years because uh, yeah. due to the can crisis, we pulled it out of the rotation. So, Pivo is going national in cans, and it officially happened today. So, uh, (laughs) congrats. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, congratulations, man. That beer, I mean, don't even get me started. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I have so many great, right, early or late nights to early mornings enjoying some Pivos on the beach. Um, Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. I I, I should finish talking about hopnosis because I didn't get into some of the most important parts. So, you heard about the base recipe heard about the fact that there's a different yeast deployed than our other IPAs. Um, But probably the most important part and what we got most excited about was, um, you know, I don't know if you follow Firestone work, we're we're not even a fast follower when it comes to uh, trends and new things that are happening. We tend to be a little bit more uh, slow and methodical in our adoption of whether it's a new raw material or a new beer style or whatever's happening. Um, but cryo hops are something, these, these treated hops that are, you know, I don't know if you know the, the cryo process and processing pellets, but, you know, it's, it's taking what would be a whole hop cone, um, milling it 
and in the process of milling it, getting it to sub-zero temperatures, so the lupulin gland is frozen and hardens rather than to be gooey and soft as it likes to do through the pelleting process, and then sifting the lupulin glands away from the vegetative matter. And the long and the short of it is you concentrate all the goodness out of the center of the hops. You know, it'd be like, I don't know if I can talk about this on this platform, but if you were drinking <laughs> keef, you know, in the marijuana world, you know, it's legal here in California, so I can talk about it at least here. Totally. And it's like if you shake the little crystals off the marijuana plants, you get this concentrated keef. That's exactly yeah. what the cryo process is. And so the the first dry hop deployed into hopnosis mid-fermentation is a fairly sturdy charge of mosaic cryo that then ferments with that lager yeast and gets heavily integrated into the beer. And you get this somewhat saturated mosaic hop flavor right through the middle, like mm -hmm. just kind of guides right in there with the Simcoe. And then once uh, we do a second dry hop that has a blend of a bunch of our favorite hops, um, 2021 was the year of New Zealand hops for Firestone Walker. We blew through a ton of great New Zealand hops. So Hopnosis has Nelson, mm -hmm. it has Rawaka along with uh, Idaho 7, El Dorado, and a few other Pacific Northwest. And it is double dry hopped. I know that's right. all, you know, DDH, big right. buzzword. Uh, <laughs> and we should put it on the can. I don't think it's on there, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know. Now everyone knows. And so, and actually, let's talk about that for a moment because, you, right, you see DDH all over the place. People are talking about how important that is to them. A lot of people don't even know what they're talking about, though, some of the time. And breweries do it differently when in the fermentation process and what double dry hop means. We actually talked with Scott Jennings from Sierra Nevada about this a lot, about some breweries just double the amount of hops in one drop. Some do it twice. They do two different dry hop additions. So can you talk a little bit about kind of double dry hop, what it means and how you guys approach it? Yeah, and I think you're right on that it means different things to different brewers, and it is an indicator that either more hops were used, I think, in more cases, or they may have been added in two different um, points in time in the dry hop. Sure. Um, I suppose if you really wanted to get technical, this beer is, you know, hops are added to it one, two, three, four, five, six times, so whatever that would be. But um, on the dry hop side, we add them twice, one mid-firm where we get – kind of what, we, what we're driving towards is that integration piece because the yeast is really turning up the, the wort that's becoming beer through the action of fermentation. There's a lot of CO2 evolution. Um, and, and what we're really gunning for is a little bit of biotransformation. And that is the yeast acting on some flavor active compounds to create something more, something additive to the beer. Um, and, and that's Oddly enough, way back in 2006, we had a double dry hopping method on Union Jack for the exact same reasons. Okay. Um, the science wasn't so well followed and we didn't have a way of analytically mapping it out, but we just knew through trial and error that something different happened when we added hops early in the fermentation. But, you know, so, so just to answer your question, I mean, in our process, it's a two-step process. And yes, we are adding more hops and hopnosis than we add uh, to any of our other West Coast beers ever, which I am reminded constantly by the accounting department. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. DDH to me just looks like dollar signs on, on the Oh, man. Just uh, yeah, especially when you're talking are. Southern Hemisphere hops. But right. mm -hmm. I mean, you taste it in the beer. I, 
Sure. You know, and, 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 and brewers will argue or debate this endlessly, and we do find a point of saturation. And so I believe there is a point where you can just be throwing money away, I suppose, to a point. Right. Um, and in, in, in our brewery at our scale, with dry hopping, it tends to be pretty close to about 3.5 to 4 pounds of hops. And I don't know if you've heard from other brewers a different saturation point. For a while, we thought it was three. Um, but when we start going beyond that, at least in this brewery, and every brewery is a little bit different, we tend to get uh, diminishing returns and more tannic, and we start picking up more of the plant material. So maybe right. we could get away with more using lupulin powder or cryo hops right. than we would with T90 or whole hops. But right. um, yeah. That's so cool. I, I was kind of going to ask about that. I mean, that. So we're talking about it's obviously hops are not cheap, but uh, using cryo hops, from what I understand, you kind of get a lot of efficiency there. You're maybe getting more bang for your buck. Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, you pay double because half the plant material has been re removed and they don't right. they don't let you get away with that. So usually you contract your whole hops um, and then you decide how you want them processed and you pay for the whole hop. So if you decide to do a T45 and 50% of the material right. 55 is lost, um, it's on you. And then there's a tolling cost for the processing and all that as well. But um, you gain efficiency because that plant material is going to soak up moisture. A hop was 80% water, 80% moisture when it was picked. And it will pick that back up from the brewing process. So you can kind of do the math in general and the fact that you you lose a lot of liquid when you go to dry hop. I mean, there's brewers that are losing 20, 25% of the beer they brewed because they dry hop at six or eight pounds per barrel. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so, yeah, there's some efficiencies for sure. That's I remember for my brewing days, dropping hops out of tanks that were quadruple dry hopped. And it was right. It was mostly just. <laughs> sludgy mud until it was a sponge anymore. at that point that's right. it, it that's it all it amazing. is and i just and i was younger at the time but I, I still remember thinking then like oh my gosh this is just money that i'm flushing down our trench drains <laughs> but uh but it smelled amazing um no um and and i learned this this was happening in duval back uh earlier to the turn of the century 1900 in many english breweries where they would use whole hops for dry hopping and then they would collect those hops uh, after they were done with them on the cellar side of the process and redeploy them in the hot side because the alpha acid wasn't converted or used in the dry hopping process. And they would actually bitter with their used dry hops to get mm. more efficiency in terms of, you know, using the hops. Um, oh, I love that. I've never, I've never tried it myself. Yeah. But. That'd be, yeah. I mean, it could, yeah, sure. It could be done, but it, but yeah, I don't know if you, well, if you'd want to, there's a lot of yeast in there. A lot of there's a lot of the bottom of a tank. You got to kind of sit yes. through. I guess you could pull yeah, the bags yeah. out if you're still bagging. Um, but wow, that's so. Uh, so to get to the kind of the flavor profile yeah. of hop gnosis, or at least what our intention is, um, you know, we definitely want it to be a, a classic in terms of West Coast and its appearance and its body, in its in it, in the way it's drinkable. Um, we want a lot of. Uh, you know, Pacific Northwest hop character. But I think what we've all learned, and you probably hear this from a ton of brewers, is that we've lowered the bitterness because it's not necessary to just like, you know, this isn't a, a bitterness war or an alcohol anymore, war. Right. It's about balance and drinkability. And maybe that's the 
one thing that all of us learned through the haze craze was that sometimes you don't need a lot of bitterness. You just need to get a lot of flavor and character and carry the beer that way. So, you know, it's this balance between alcohol, um, you know, bitterness, not being too high, and then just a massive amount of terpenes and uh, thiols and everything we love from hops. And now that we have all these new hop cultivars to draw from, rather than being like piney and resinous, um and and just unbelievably bitter we now have these fun soft fruit and tropical characteristics and that's what new new zealand hops or southern hemisphere hops bring to the table is this beautiful tropical white grape thiol driven gorgeous aroma and we start you know kind of sewing those in with some really cool cultivars out of the pacific northwest i just love that flavor profile and i think we really found it with hopnosis Absolutely. Yeah, I think you did. And so you, you touched on it a minute there, Matt, but let's talk about that. So I, I hate to say it, but I feel like every time I open an IPA and I pour it out and it's not hazy, I'm like, what? what did I pick the wrong thing that I get? I have that did moment where I'm like, what did I do wait, wrong? Right. What is this? And then I realize it's, you know, I'm, I've seen a West Coast IPA before, but, um, <laughs> but let's talk about that. So like, you know, we are living in haze craze land, and yet here's this beautiful, amazing West Coast IPA. Are they like enjoying? And I see more and more of them now. Are they coming back? Like the the, the 21 year old used to drink, uh, what was it, Green Flashes West Coast IPA all the time. Yeah, what, like is is wanting that again, the IBU attack. Um, but let's talk about that. What is, what what are we seeing in terms of like the West Coast IPA return? Do you think it can happen? Yeah, no, I, I mean, from from the brewer's perspective anyway, and, and I, I kind of see it through the prism of the eyes of the brewer. And when I go and hang out with brewer friends, well, it's like two weekends ago, I was down at Green Cheek and sat with Evan and he didn't bring me one hazy IPA to taste, you know, and when he sent me home with cans, he sent me home with West Coast and Pilsner. Nice. Um, you know, and so that just says a lot. I think that the in terms of the Brett, the, the brewer's curiosity, right. um, the, the definitely the pendulum has swung back to west coast um obviously you've seen the pendulum has swung towards lager beer is yeah. what brewers prefer to make and we'll just see if the beer lovers out there and you know the untapped subscribers and everybody you know play into that because it's just such a beautiful time in the lager world right now there's so many great lagers being made out there and i feel the same things happen with west coast you know there's a few of those old stodgy brewers who never brewed a hazy and now it's kind of coming back to them <laughs> and then there's you know a few of us who are like hey man this seems like an opportunity um right and you know i live here in the west coast it's playing really well here because it never really left right and i was recently in new york and i was hanging out with the um the other half crew and i noticed on their on their chalkboard hazy a west coast if it's a clear ipa so you actually it's actually flipped whereas before you'd have to say here you'd have to say hazy ipa or people would expect a clear beer but um right. to answer your question i do I do believe uh, that the pendulum is is at some level swinging back a little bit to West Coast, um, and hopefully, you know, we'll see that. If you if you talk to Scott, you know, they've got is it called? Um, oh shoot, the 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 powder powder days. Yeah, powder days. Uh, we just had yeah last episode. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you, great beer, great example of another great West IPA West Coast IPA that came out using new school hops. I'm sure using cryo. It sounds yep. like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, lowered bitterness. Yeah. Um, you know, so not that dissimilar from what's what we're trying to do here with hypnosis. Yeah, that's great. And you, you, you and I about, think. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Go, I, I was gonna say, I, I think you know, 
not that bitterness is out, but 2021 was the year that the untapped community, I feel like, spoke. And they said Pilsner is in the top 10 styles right. for the year. Right. Right. First time ever. First time ever. Really? First time in, like, in 12 years that yeah. that's the, one of the top styles. And so I think we're seeing a shift. We are absolutely seeing a shift in style selection and diversity like across all these different kinds of beers and and the it's not just all haze all fruit all sugar all the time so yeah it's good to see no it, it is and i mean way back when when we launched pivo the reason the way i pitched it to our team you know the people in the field was that walking in any craft beer bar you know walk into the tornado in san francisco walk into whatever beer bar you're going into I don't care how many IPAs they're they're pouring. You got to have a Pilsner handle. You got to have a Hellas handle. You got to have something that you fought, you start with and end with right. <laughs> during your IPA session or whatever it is you're right. drinking. So, yeah, no, it's good to see it coming back. Um, you know, I, just you know, digress or or, or a segue is um, we announced today our Invitational Beer Festival lineup, and you'll notice that there are more. Uh, kind of loggerhead brewers showing up this year than ever before. Um, we have Eric Toff from Sean Rum showing up. We've got uh, Kevin Davey, who we, we talked about earlier from Wayfinder coming in. Um, we've got Bomberg from Brazil. Um, Antares from um, Argentina. Uh, I mean, a bunch of really good lager brewers are showing up. It's going to be epic in that that regard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exciting to to hear. Yeah, I mean, it truly is. The last season, it was kind of the for the drinking socially was the unofficial season of the lager. So we did tons of a drew a ton of attention to it. So it's it's awesome that. Uh, and as a brewer myself, those are the beers we drank. And I mean, you kind of shared this story as well, man. So many brewers who talked to are like, we drink like we make IPAs all day, but we drink our cream ale. We drink our Hellas Lager when we're done. And it's so cool to see the the brewing kind of public get curious about it and yeah now it's crap well, you know you, you mentioned that and 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 we did a collaboration um that launched in early january which was stevo first time we yes. put it in the can um that's our collaboration with russian river and it's the love child of sts pills and pivo right and uh man did we get a positive response and people sure. were so excited it might have been the fastest sellout um in terms of the beer launch that we've ever had Wow. Um, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Russian River collaborated with us, but I was more encouraged by the fact that it was a lager beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I wow. agree right there for sure. Um, cool. So, I mean, this beer is amazing. You're right. It's, I mean, so let's talk, actually finish up with this a little bit. So tasting it uh, right now, you said El Dorado and I'm like having a love affair with that hop. So now that's like all I'm tasting, but like, what are, again, I'm picking up for the first time. What should I be hunting for in terms of like, nose and taste in terms of like profile wise yeah so so mosaic for me when it's on has a certain amount of stone fruit but it's peachy yeah, right there's some tropical element to it and it has this really round character it just seems to be a great centering point i mean you can brew a really dry beer use mosaic and still get this incredible mouthfeel and just lush characteristic and i think that's what the mosaic cryo brings to this beer and then really i just wanted to augment or play off of that with the southern hemisphere hops that have a lot of more white grape and tropical and um, they're a little more peaky so i didn't want them to lead mm -hmm. but you know, nelson 
when selected properly and picked at the right time is just such an amazing hop. Yeah. Um, Rawaka as well. Um, maybe one of my favorite hops in the world is just, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's just so hard to get your hands on any, uh, you know, reasonable quantity, but yeah. So it's, it's kind of this cool thing. I want there to be plenty of that Simcoe, like remind you of West coast, but I want there to be plenty of new school hop. Um, you know, we're really, you know, this is where it's at for us. This is for us. This is kind of like where West coast IPA is today. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. And you, you mentioned it earlier as well, but, and I've heard it from other brewers of like, okay, we're moving back. Maybe the pendulum swinging a bit more to the West coast IPA, but with all the lessons learned from the haze craze and like, that's so cool. And I think a great job of kind of laying that out. It's less bitter. We've got that crazy tropical fruit, but it, you know, it's not, it doesn't look like orange juice. Like it's different mouthfeel. It's just, it feels my teeth like, don't hurt. Right, teeth yeah. don't hurt. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm not having my my uh, lactose allergic reaction. Like none of that mm-hmm. is happening. Uh, well, and, we- and and you you bring up that point. Like what I love about the hazy IPAs and what got me really excited were the brewers who are bringing the new hops and using that platform to just show them off so well. And um, it's a combination of how that yeast works with those hops, but. Mm-hmm. You know, hop growers have really responded to brewers kind of curiosities and desire to have new fruit forward tropical characteristics. There's just so many cool hops out there. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but Idaho 7 is another one that just yeah. has such a cool, unique, um, fruity f- characteristic. Um, yep. So, you know, I'm so, so happy that hops available. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is this has been so much fun. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me. So we just went into the Invitational that's happening for you guys later this year. What else is in store though from Firestone Walker in 2022? What else that you can reveal so far? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's it's never a dull moment here in Paso Robles. But uh, um, yeah, the Invitational is coming up. We're stoked. It hasn't been around for a couple of years because of COVID, and there's a bunch of new breweries in the lineup. Um, I just mentioned a few. Um, I guess the other thing is uh, kind of our lineup of collaborations this year. Um, mm. We we started because because of COVID times and our events crews were tight. You know, they were basically grounded by all of that. We couldn't go out and do festivals or events. We started a beer club and we quickly realized that that was a great vehicle for collaboration because mm. One, we could go down to Venice and brew a really small batch, you know, throw it into some really like elite barrels and create some cool stuff. Or we could get back to things that we just haven't been able to do in a while. Um, nice. you know, so I'll just name, name a few of them off the top of my yeah. head. Uh, recently, we had Josh Freem come from Freem Family oh, Breweries. Mm-hmm. And rather than doing a Pilsner, which we would have loved to do, yeah. or an IPA, which he probably sells a lot of as well, <laughs> was a, uh, a Saison. And it's a bit of a mixed culture saison. Uh, we deployed two Cervasiae and one Britannomyces strain into it. Uh, it was brewed at the Propagator in LA and then tankered up to Barrel Works where we finished it and we'll package it. Um, it also allows us to do really high carb in a refermentation uh, program. So I'm excited about that. I mean, we've got a side project collab coming up. Um, 
actually we're going to brew it next week with Corey. He's coming and we're going to do this ridiculously massive stout that he designed. And we're going to do a party, <laughs> party guile and collect all the second runnings for a second. Ooh, beer. Nice. Um, That's cool. That's the, the the team from the brewery came up a few weeks ago and taught us how to do a fed fermentation a la mm. Black Tuesday type of brew. Yeah. We uh, put one wow. of those into the tanks. Uh, we fed it maple syrup instead of a sugar solution, so that should be really interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, there's a few more of them, but I, that's probably plenty for now. There's a lot of cool beers to keep your eyes out for. <laughs> I know, I, I know. And I also saw a couple do mind hazes, I think, are in the works as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I, if you know anything about my career, I've been kind of a no fruit, no spice, no nonsense kind of guy. I kind of stick to the classics. But once we got into Hazy IPA, I felt like it was a platform that we could stretch a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the last year, we've released a fruited mine haze. We used tangerine. Yeah. We did a coconut version called Tiki Smash. <laughs> it turned out really well. I mean, painstakingly, like sourcing toasting and then trying to do these coconut because i won't let them do any extra hacks so (laughs) pretty funny um but we're just kind of using it as a platform to have some fun um whereas kind of in the the hoop firestone core family we stick to the water malt hop and yeast kind of uh almost rain heights type of dogma to make sure that you know there's there's some real like focus in those beers that's a- but it's like working within that box right the creativity kind of comes from figuring out ways to to kind of work yeah. within that and and hey, you know I, get clever i'm not a young man anymore but we have such a talented team of breweries i mentioned sam earlier but there's a whole team surrounding us that are full of great ideas uh mm-hmm. and have just like you know some of them are cocktail mixologists that want to do stuff like that. That's Eric Ponce and Patrick Hayes on our team. There's others that are really into the adjuncted side of things. And I say, well, as long as it's whole and natural, then go for it. Um, You know, so some of it's just letting, you know, standing back and letting the team have some fun. That's, that's fantastic. The last question I have is just totally selfish one for me because I love Wookie Jack and everything black IPA. Is it so? Is, if if I remember, that's like a propagator series beer. Now it's probably not coming to the East Coast. Or oh, yeah. all I want to ask you is, how can I get it to be more places? <laughs> um, I you know I, I don't know if uh, a national release is eminent, but I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that because we're getting some really good response from what Sam's bringing at the propagator. He just put another batch in recently. I just tasted it yesterday. <sighs> So it's alive and well here at the West Coast, uh, and it may end up oh. seeing some national play here sooner than later. Oh, Harrison, all you, all you had to do, Harrison, was ask. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my hey, best. At, at Harrison Walker, we aim to please, man. Right. What, whatever you want, just let us know. I like it. Perfect. <laughs> I'll hold on to the hope that it'll someday show up at my local bottle shop. But I won't hold my breath because I don't want to pass out. But the hope, the hope is real. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, Matt, this has been so cool enjoying a beer with you. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Hopnosis is amazing. It makes me feel like I'm 23 again and drinking a West Coast happy for the first time and going, holy guacamole, what is this? And can I have more of it? So that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge win for me. 
Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on board. Um, you know, we're always thrilled to, 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 to go through the whole untapped world and just see all that's going on there. It's such a cool community of beer drinkers. And hey, as a side note, um, yeah. my family, we lived in Antwerp for a year when I was doing my brewing sabbatical the year before last, and everybody was oh, using that platform. Yeah. Uh, every time I sat into beer bars, it was so cool to see, um, you know, over there with all the beer aficionados there. So, you know, it's yeah. global, man. It's cool. It really is. It's amazing. Belgium, the Netherlands, like there's so many countries that obviously a great beer tradition and now in the 21st century are discovering untapped. It's a great way to enjoy that and kind of take it to the next step. So that's, but that's cool. You saw it in, in the wild. I've heard similar stories of people here going to Europe being like untapped is here and it's, and everyone uses it. Like, yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's really cool. It is really cool and really a testament to Kyle. I mean, Kyle's you know, the brains behind a lot of this and actually doing the moving the strings behind the app. So, so we, we are only as good as our community <laughs> makes us. It, we we are without them. They are we are nothing. So I'm yeah, I'm so good. glad that uh, that we've got so much so many folks contributing and and again like creating great beers is the other side of it. So again, yeah, Matt, thank you so much for for both putting this together and also coming on the show. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You got it, man. Have a great one. Yep. Cheers. Cool. Man, oh, I feel like a kid again, Kyle. This is I'm already I... my second one. I'm already... Listen, so, <laughs> Wookie Jack. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a four-pack, and I will say I was... Towards the end of the year, I got it at Propagator, okay. and towards the end of the year, I probably finished it within four, like four separate drinking days um i was i had been packing i was moving from los angeles and it was it was truly an incredible beer that even if i do get my hands on it harrison like i can't promise that it's going to make its way out to the east coast any any in any way shape or form inside of a a carry-on bag um you know secretly mailed in a uh, no, nondescript bag I'll or, or box. We'll, I'll, I'll bribe you offline. We'll we'll keep it secret. Looking at Untapped, the last time I checked it in was the 9th of August, 2015. <sighs> I had a, a bar in uh, Philly called Craftwork, amazing beer mm-hmm. bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and my five bottle caps, you could check it, five bottle caps, loved it. And my only kind of checking comment was, I'm going to need a bigger liver, which I think I use a lot in a lot of check-ins, but it's a good, like, you know that I'm truly enjoying myself as I found a beer I want too much of when that is the check-in comment. So many, many yeah. moons ago, but a faint memory, Untapped has the memory here, so I don't need to search for it in my foggy brain. Yeah, uh, that's right. But great great times tonight was a blast um and for everyone out there listening at home make sure you are following our social media the blog we have a special announcement coming up on monday actually about some more the next untapped beer festival um so tune in for that look out yeah look out and then come back and see us kyle and i are going to be talking with like the best brewers in the world for really like the rest of the season so yeah try to contain your jealousy um, but really no need. Just go grab the beer that we're enjoying, check out the badge, and tell your friends about it. But other than that, have a great night, everybody. Cheers! Cheers! <laughs>